This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, January 22nd, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. Some of President Obama's executive moves on immigration have earned both criticism and praise as policy, but the constitutional justification he's used to undertake these actions without congressional permission are suspect. Now that issue will go before the U.S. Supreme Court. Cato's Alex Narasta and Ilya Shapiro discuss the policy and constitutional claims. In 2014, President Obama decided to take some action on behalf of uh, immigrants to the United States. What did he do and what is the, the legal issue surrounding it? So after 22 times saying that he could not lawfully do this, he decided after the 2014 congressional midterm elections that now he was a lame duck and he's going to do it anyway. Uh, and what this is, is to give temporary legal status of some kind uh, to the parents of U.S. citizens and lawful permanent residents. Uh, it affects about 4 million people uh, across the country. And with this temporary uh, status or deferral of action on them, they get a, uh, a card that authorizes them to uh, seek employment, uh, certain other kinds of federal benefits. And there was a second part to what he announced, and that is in terms of enforcement priority that, uh, for example, the authorities will go after uh, uh, big drug gangs and violent criminals rather than uh, maids and gardeners and people who are doing nothing other than being in the country uh, illegally. Now, the 26 states who are challenging that, they immediately filed suit, uh, are challenging the first part of that, the uh, uh, letting people stay, giving them temporary authorization to work and all these other sorts of benefits. They aren't challenging the enforcement priority. All right. So to you, Alex Narasta, then, um, what prevented Congress in 2009 and 2010 from doing something exactly like this that would have been perfectly constitutional? Absolutely nothing, except they had different priorities. They democratically controlled Congress, decided to focus on the stimulus program. They decided to focus on Obamacare. And they decided to focus on a lot of other things that I think have turned out to be uh, that have negative impacts rather than focusing on something like this like they promised they would. In, in terms of describing who these people are, these are people in the United States who are uh, – have no have no papers, so to speak. Yes, they are. Uh, this builds on an earlier uh, grant of executive action that the president undertook in mid-2012 called the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals which deferred the deportations of some of those folks who were brought into the United States illegally as they were children. Uh, they had to be under 30 when they apply for this program and some of the qualifications. And this is really just a large expansion of that to new people, to different and a greater extents. Um, and, and that's why he did it. So it, it, to you, Ilya Shapiro, what are the terms under which this first part of this uh, de deferred action is being challenged? Uh, well, there are really three levels, four if you look at the procedural aspects as well. So let's just briefly go through it all. Um, first of all, it's uh, standing. Uh, that is, uh, do these states, there are up to 26 states that are suing the federal government, uh, can they even uh, lawfully sue against this program? The lower courts that have looked at this uh, have granted them standing on the theory that uh, Texas spends money to give driver's licenses and other certain kinds of state benefits that these people are now eligible for. Therefore, they will incur costs due to this allegedly uh, illegal action that the executive branch uh, is, is, is doing. 
Um, I think the Supreme Court, which has just agreed to hear this case, uh, will hear argument in, in April with a, with a ruling by June. I think they should be able to get past that. Uh, and now we get to actually the meat of the, of the legality of the action. Uh, first is the administrative law aspect. That is, uh, did Homeland Security or the president go through the proper uh, procedural channels in putting in this new policy? The district court uh, put in an injunction uh, last year in 2015 on the basis that it did not, that it violated the Administrative Procedure Act. Uh, the Fifth Circuit, the appellate court, then affirmed that and also talked in great length about the statutory aspect, that is the Immigration and Naturalization Act and related amendments, uh, while they give the president broad enforcement discretion, uh, do not give uh, the power to create these temporary legal statuses, uh, etc. And then, uh, as the states have been arguing as well, and as especially Cato, as we have been arguing in our briefs, um, and the Supreme Court took up as an additional question the constitutional aspect. That is, uh, kind of atmospherically behind all this is the president's duty to take care that the laws be faithfully executed. And this is sort of interwoven in the legality because the law is so uh, uh, nebulous or, or uh, gives a lot of discretion uh, in acting this way. Is the president contradicting congressional policy or doing things that the law doesn't provide, therefore violating his constitutional duty as well? The court is going to hear argument on all four of these issues. So uh, to, the, to what extent are there disagreements among people who describe themselves as libertarians on the constitutional merits of that question? I don't know if there's uh, disagreements among libertarians. I haven't even talked to lots of libertarians about this. I mean, there's there are disagreements certainly on the policy among lots of people. And we, for example, are, are generally in favor. We, Cato, as Alex uh, will talk about comprehensive immigration reform, but believe that uh, it takes uh, a law to change a law. The president can't simply rewrite it uh, on his own. Uh, there are some uh, discussions about, for example, what this means, the constitutional duty to take care in the context of other uh, policy areas like marijuana that you and I, Caleb, have talked about a fair bit. Uh, is this different than simply setting different priorities in Colorado and Nebraska and other places that have legalized marijuana. I would argue that it is because uh, it's not like the president of the Justice Department have issued cards, uh, get out of jail free marijuana user federal cards, which is kind of what the analog here to the uh, the temporary legal status of, of immigrants uh, would be. So I think uh, what what's going on with marijuana is more akin to that second unchallenged part of the executive action regarding enforcement priorities. So it, it, it would be uh uh, two different things to say. One, we're going to redirect law enforcement priorities another place versus we're going to create a special category of people to whom this law will not apply for some period of time. That's right. That, that's that's never been done before. Um, that's uh, th this you know, deferring deportation is certainly done. That's something that comes within discretion authority. But when you beyond simply passively deciding not to pursue people to uh, detain and, and deport and institute proceedings beyond going there and then actively registering and, and providing benefits, I think that is uh, beyond what's done in these other areas where uh, libertarians might say, well, that's a proper and, 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 and indeed salubrious use of executive discretion. All right. To you, Alex Narasta, what are the prospects for any kind of fix that might uh, moot uh, some of the practical effects of a case like this? I think the prospects in the next year are near zero for a legislative fix, especially during an election year. 
where immigration is playing such a prominent role. Uh, historically, presidents and congresses do not take up immigration reform items in the first year or two of administrations. Uh, there are some counterexamples of that, but it's generally not done. Uh, so I would suspect it will be at least uh, two to three years before anybody seriously tries to consider uh, doing immigration reform through Congress. I also want to add that one of the tough things about this particular issue is this is one of the only times where, in my experience, I'm not a constitutional lawyer, but in my experience, where there is an action, where there is a serious question of the unconstitutionality of the action. It looks like it is unconstitutional uh, from my layman's perspective, but the action has positive consequences for liberty. So this is a very tough item, I think, for a lot of other libertarians or other libertarians to try to deal with. It's certainly tough for me to try to deal with, uh, which is why I'm glad that we have uh, separate departments here, constitutional law department working on it. Well, this. as a constitutional lawyer, it's, you're always asked, uh, oh, that's very cute, this constitutional theory that you have. And lo and behold, it matches all of your policy priorities and philosophies as well. So it's always a, a, a good thing to be able to point to things, uh, policies that you think are good uh, that are unconstitutional or vice versa. So this is just one more of those for me. Alex Narasta is an immigration policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Ilya Shapiro is a senior fellow in constitutional studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.